In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me, my co-host, all the way from across the pond, the ghost the general himself, the most haunted Richard Felix. How you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm extremely well, sir. Extremely well. But I'll have to tell you that the temperatures dropped dramatically over here. Uh, it's very cold. Richard, you are, not gonna, you are not going to believe this, but I was just going to ask you if it was cold there. Oh, there you are, you see. No, we've had uh, an extremely good, uh, we've had a, a, an Indian summer. It's been very good, um, right up until the last few days. But uh, very, very, very cold today. Um, and I was cleaning my pigs out today. <laughs> uh, and I was so cold. I Better you than me. No, I know it's not, but uh, you know what, two pigs, um, and um, uh, they had to be cleaned out this morning, and at half past seven this morning, uh, my fingers nearly dropped off, it was so cold, but they're all cleaned out now, and my fingers are still on. So what'd you name the pigs, ham and chops? Oh no, 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 one's called Penelope, and the other one's called Annabella. Get out! <laughs> listen, listen to me, Penelope yeah. comes, up, comes for a walk with me with the dogs. Okay, you don't put lipstick on her, do you? Nope. I never put lipstick on my piggy. <laughs> no, she's a pet. She's a pet. She's, she's going to have some babies soon, and we're going to have some piglets. Uh, you've really? seen the film... Uh, have you seen the film... Uh, I can't remember what it's called, the piggy film. Uh, babe? Babe. Babe, yes. Yeah, well, this is the original. <laughs> she's the original babe, tell me. But, uh, yeah, great stuff. Anything exciting happened? Anything new? Have you seen a ghost? Actually, uh, we did an investigation at the old haunted Victorian up in uh, Gardner last weekend. It was it was uh, very interesting. It actually, got pushed around, which was kind of neat. Well, you did. Yeah, you personally got pushed. I did. We were uh, in the basement and we were trying to make contact with this uh, spirit, of course, as we all do. And yes, uh, all of a sudden, it was if if, if someone. Uh, pushed my shoulder so in other words they pushed my right shoulder so my body turned and then uh i you know stood my ground and then once again it happened again at this time with more force that i actually had a step backwards and that happened about three or four times uh, three or four times to you uh, one after the other on the same shoulder Right, right, and there was some. Of course, we were getting a bunch of readings and stuff then at the yeah. same 
time and everything. And the interesting part is later on at that night, I took a different group down there. We went to another part of the cellar, and uh, we uh, we we did uh, try to you know make communication with the K two meter. And uh, as we were doing that, we were asking about uh, uh, you know can you make the temperature uh, go up or whatever, and uh, it said uh, stove. And then I remembered that we were in the room we were in, there was a stove. So it, we a whole bunch of stuff went on, but we ended up going to back in that room, and, and where I was being pushed was where the stove was. And uh, it, there was a painting right next to it, believe it or not, and it was this uh, a Monet, and it was from the same period that we had been talking with the spirit in and, and the a, and a same area and stuff. And then we ended up uh, finishing the night with some glass swirling upstairs, and uh, it looks like we contacted one of the old uh, people in the house, which is kind of interesting. Oh, I say. Now, that's quite, quite I mean, just a matter of interest, the cellar. I mean, obviously, we all, you know, we all go into cellars because we all believe cellars to be, well, the scariest places and all that. But, I mean, what was, did something happen in the cellar? What, is there a ghost in the cellar, Ron? Uh, this Everybody who's investigated the place has made some type of a contact with the spirit there. But they also found uh, uh, bones in the cellar as well. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Human? Yeah, and, and ashes, believe it or not. Think about what? that. Stove, ashes. The wow, no, that's, that's, the stove. That's, that's good. That's evidence, don't you think? But anyways, we have a great guy on the show coming on the we show. Have. He tells all about the spooky stuff, but we have to do a Beyond Bizarre right now, and then we'll be right back with uh, Jamie. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> okay. Keep your fingers crossed, Ron. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> I think Eric's asleep at the, at the uh, wheel there. All right. Without any further ado, why don't we bring on Jamie then? Why, why don't we? <laughs> Good evening, What's Jamie. That? You? What the heck happened there? Okay? I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm still confused listen, over listen, this. I've, so often, guys, that when something like that happens on a radio show, you've just got to put it down to the paranormal. <laughs> How you doing, Jamie? I'm not too bad, Richard. How are you? Good. Very nice for you to co- of you to come on uh, and talk to us. Um, yeah, yeah um, I, I'm thrilled to bits actually because it, it, I don't. I'm not sure when we last, if we've ever had, uh, certainly while I've been doing the show, um, a ghost tour guide um, on the show from from one of the most haunted cities in the whole of the British Isles. Um, that's right. I mean, that's what you are, aren't you, Joe? You're, 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 you do ghost tours. Indeed I do, yes. I work for City of the Dead, um, tour company in Edinburgh. Um, and we have two of the most haunted locations in Edinburgh itself. Um, we have sole access to a locked section of Greyfriars Cemetery, or Kirkyard. And we also have our section of the underground vaults of the South Bridge. Yeah, which is... Where both you know, is plagued by um, poltergeists. And we have well-documented um, poltergeists within our sections. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, um, my, my, my favourite place on earth has to be uh, uh, Greyfriars Churchyard and, and the, yeah, the Mackenzie I mean, Bolton. It's a wonderful, story. wonderful place. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, I, I, I always say that, you know, it, it, the worst place for me on earth to be locked away <laughs> would be in Mr. Mackenzie's 
tomb in, in, in Gravefriars Churchyard. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything on this earth worth. But tell us, come on, because I'm sure obviously a lot of people have heard of, of Gravefriars Churchyard and, and what have you, but tell us a little bit about it. Tell us, tell us what on earth, what on earth is it all about? What, what's going on there? Well, I mean, it goes way back to around about 1998 when Trump um, decided to try and seek shelter in the graveyard one stormy night. And um, he just so happened to walk past George Mackenzie's tomb, which is a big black urn-looking mausoleum. Um, yeah. He's down downstairs, um, along with two other coffins, um, and the tramp was was uh, wanting to seek shelter from the rain. So he managed to get round the back, and there was a small opening at the back of the tomb. It's now been sealed up, um, and he he got through. And um, he managed to get downstairs to the coffins, and we think this this all disturbed um, whatever was in there, you know. And um, it's not been too nice ever since, really. We've had a lot of reports of uh, people on our tour uh, tour groups uh, being attacked by the poltergeist, um, scratch marks, bite marks, uh, people being knocked out. is very common. Um, you know, they just drop instantly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, very strange. Now, have, you this, wait, have you witnessed this yourself, Jamie? I have indeed, yes. I mean, I, I, I've witnessed uh, numerous things happening um, between sort of knockouts, you know, and, and scratches appearing on people out of nowhere. And um, the scratches are really interesting because um, it's usually like three lines and they, yeah, it's almost like red welts. Um, but the people who are interacted with, um, they say it's not sore, you know, they don't feel any pain. It's almost like a tingling um, sensation. And, you know, within 12 hours, the marks have gone. It's just not possible, is it? And under normal circumstances? Yeah. For it's very, very strange. And, and you've had hundreds, haven't you, of people? Oh, yeah, I mean, literally, ones, literally hundreds. I mean, it's a bit yeah, updated. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in the last, I mean, it's almost 13 years now that City of the Dead have been doing the tours into Greyfriars Kirkyard. And, uh, I mean, over the years, I mean, there's hundreds, and that's only the people that have reported it to us. Yes. You know, there yes. could be hundreds more out there that have never reported it to us. Uh, uh, what is it? I mean, is it, is it Mr. McKenzie? I mean, uh, Mr. McKenzie, of course, Mr. McKenzie, was he, he was a mister, was he mister, or, or was he? Well, he was the King's advocate. Um, he would have been, yeah, I mean, he was the King's advocate for King Charles, Um you know, um, he was obviously in charge of the this whole sort of thing. You know, with, with, with the Covenanters, um, and he yes. persecuted a lot of them. But again, I mean, he was doing a job. I mean, back then, obviously, he didn't say no to the king. You know, if if he didn't do it, then it would have been somebody else that done it. Of course, you know, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, uh, the amazing thing is that he was responsible for the for the death of of a lot of of. of Covenanters, which who are, I mean, oh, yeah. sort of, they were political, not political, they were religious dissidents, weren't they, as such? They were indeed, yes. Yeah. yeah they and, they and just so, believed in a different thing. Say, say again, sorry? You know? They, they just believed in their own way, you know? And um, obviously, if you didn't believe in the king's way, then um, you were against them, as far as the sort of monarchs were concerned back then. Yeah. You know, it was, um, it, was, it, was a, it was a very sad time to live in. Yeah, yeah. For religion. And of course, a lot of them were hanged. Uh, a yes, lot right. more were actually herded, funnily enough, into an area where, uh, at the side of the graveyard, uh, and died right. of starvation. Yeah, the, yeah, the, uh, they were held there. Uh, they were held there by the, the orders came from obviously the top of the ladder, which would have been king. But um, obviously, um, George Mackenzie then was given the order to, you know, hold them in that, you know, a, a, a 
section of the graveyard. Um, it was the world, the Covenanters prison in the graveyard is the f- world's first ever concentration camp, um, oh, as we know concentration camps now. Yeah, yeah. They were just held there. Yes, they did. Um, They were held in extreme conditions over the winter with no clothing um, and complete open. There was no shelter whatsoever. It's kind of like a big alleyway that was sealed off at one end with uh, gates. But there was people obviously watching as well um, with, um, you know, rifles. If any of them tried to escape, they would have been shot. But the walls were too high to scale, you know, so they were just left there basically just to die. It's a horrible, horrible place. Ouch. and then, of course... Yeah, the records, I think, uh, show there was 1,200 people, uh, Covenanters held in that section. And quite a lot of them died. Uh, all of them, pretty much. Really? Good grief. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, George Mackenzie dies. Yes. And guess where he's buried? That's right, right in 1691. Indeed he did, yep. About, maybe, I'd say about 150 yards away from the Covenanters prison is uh, George Mackenzie's tomb. So, yeah, that's not a good start, is it, really? There's well, a lot not of really. Feeling. No. <laughs> so, I, I presume, I mean, I don't know, because you see, uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get my head around is what, what this tram, I mean, number one, what on earth, I think, I, I think, I, I think I'd rather have, have, have been drowned or, 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 or frozen to death than, than actually climb through the back of a wall like that and down into a, into a, a tomb with, with three well, coffins in right. it. But he did. Well, that's it. What did he do? Oh. Uh, yeah, well, that's right. um, well, that's not all. Um, but the story doesn't go there. It doesn't actually quite finish there. What actually scared the tramp in the first place was the fact when he was downstairs into the second level. When you look through, you can see through the gates of George Mackenzie's tomb. And as you look in the doorway, you can see that there's a concrete floor. But at the side of the concrete floor on the right, there's a there's like a, a grill um, with a iron gate again on the floor. That's lifted, and downstairs is the coffins. Uh-huh. Now. Also, what was not known until the tramp accidentally fell through the wooden floor underneath is there was also a body dump from the plague underneath George Mackenzie's tomb. Oh, my and God. He landed in this, you know, this sort of pool of rotten whatever it was, you know, green slime oh. and all the skeletons. And this is what scared him, obviously. And, you know, at that point he ran up, he scram- clambered up, and obviously he... he he burst through the front doors. He wasn't going to go back out the way he came in. Right. He burst through the doors, and there was a watchman walking around um, the the graveyard. And you know, I, I don't know who got the bigger fright. Um, <laughs> with Can you imagine running it? out, yes, and um, yes. So it was like a green sort of zombie coming towards this gentleman, and uh, but obviously the coffins were disturbed, and his tomb was disturbed, and that's the first instance yeah. that really things started, you know happening after that um just people walking in the graveyard even during the day would report um getting their hair tugged and pulled um from unseen and then eventually the covenanters prison area was locked by the council they locked right. the gates on it so nobody could go in and our owner um john andrew henderson um he then uh, went up to the council and said i want to take people in there i've heard about what's been happening and they that's it you've got you've got the keys Huh. Lucky man. Because you uh, see, Ron, yeah, you, yeah. you do a lot of stuff over in, in the States, don't you? Graveyard tours. Uh, we do. Yes, we do. Now, th- th- I heard that they're not that common there. But no, uh, uh, one, one other thing I, I did want to ask you, too, uh, talk, talking about that graveyard. Is, is, isn't there a, like a uh, statue of a dog or something there as well? 
That's right, yes. It's, it's um, Greyfriars Bobby. It's the most photographed statue um, in Edinburgh, uh, possibly Scotland, um, just outside um, the graveyard. Um, there's a, it, it was actually originally a fountain, um, a, a drinking fountain, um, but the water's long since gone. Um, but as a statue, they are off the little dog. Huh. And he, yeah. that's a fame, because it's a Walt Disney film, wasn't it? it indeed it was, yes. That's yeah. right. And this, this this little dog uh, apparently was he? I'm not sure. I can't quite remember the story. Was his master? Master wasn't a policeman, was he? Or something like that. Uh, there's conflict, and um, records show that um, he was a policeman. But other stories have come out that he was a shepherd or a watchman. Ah. Um, we think he was definitely a policeman, though. Um, um, John Gray, yes, and he passed away. And because um, back then, obviously, all policemen had to have dogs with them. So of course, yeah. he chooses to go with the biggest, ferocious dog he could find, which was a little like, Sky Terrier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he, 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 the little dog could certainly bite the ankles off the criminals, but that was about it. Uh, yeah, wow. Um, but then, of course, John Gray died, and the little dog um, allegedly stood by his grave for 14 years. Yeah, think of that, Ron. 14 years that dog visited his grave. I don't even I think, think my wife would do that, that, Richard. Say again? I don't even think my wife would do that. I think she wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, absolutely um, unconditional love on on, on the on the part of a dog. I mean. <laughs> so so Richard Richard, when you pass, your pig's going to go to your grave for years. I, I, listen, only if I'd got some food with me. That's the only reason. But I, I do. Funny enough, I do have a dog. Uh, one of my dogs. I've got. I've got a. Oh, what is he? He's a. Um, a sheepdog, um, and he's the most faithful animal. Uh, he, he's he he'd be there for years and years and years. Same thing, you know. They, they there's something about them. They they just stay around. He he's there with me, you know, day and night. And I, I think he's the sort of dog that would would probably go to your grave afterwards, or or stay by your body, you know, after after you you died and that sort of stuff. But the, this little dog, I presume, uh, Jamie, that the people are in the area around the churchyard, because what people don't quite understand is that that there are houses all the way around the graveyard actually overlooking the graveyard aren't they well they're actually attached to the graveyard wall um pretty much i mean the the back wall's down from the from the body of the graveyard um you know there's um the the windows are actually against you know they're actually in the graveyard the windows there from candlemaker row um, going right down, and our boss used to actually have one of the houses on candlemaker row looking out onto the graveyard um and um, another mysterious thing that's associated with the Mackenzie Portergeist is, you know, spontaneous fires. And uh, his his house was completely gutted by fire, and he lost all his original um, documents that he wrote. Um, the owner of the company, Jan Andrew Henderson, wrote the book, uh, The Ghost That Haunted Itself, which is the story of the Mackenzie Portergeist. Um, and he lost a lot of the original documents from his book when his house completely was destroyed by fire. And it was only his house that was dis- destroyed by it as well, which is a bit strange. So, Jamie, let me ask you this: Did you you grew up in Scotland? Did you grow up in Edinburgh by any chance? No, I actually I was born and I grew up in St. A- in St. Andrews on the east coast, uh, famous for the golf. Ooh, a lot more than that, St. Andrews Cathedral. That's uh, that's right. Yeah, Again, yeah. Thrown into the thrown into the spotlight today with um, Kate and Prince William's engagement announcement. Obviously, because they met at St Andrews, so thrown back in the spotlight now. Famous right. place. 
Now, yes. Let me ask you, well, I, I hate to get away from Edinburgh because I know you have your tours there and everything. And before I forget, uh, do you have a website that you would like to give out? Yeah, I mean, um, what to do is people obviously want to read about the Mackenzie Porter Geisman thing. Um, if you just type in, well, uh, the company is called Blackheart Entertainment. But if you just type in a search engine, um, City of the Dead Tours Edinburgh, um, it'll come up and you'll get it. Um, and you can have a look at the website. I, I love, something I, love I guarantee to people is the most <laughs> wonderful tour. Uh, I've done it. I've done it uh, two or three times. I've done events up there. I even did a sleepover in the uh, in Greyfriars Churchyard uh, one night. And um, I'm telling you guys, it's it's the you must do it if you go to Edinburgh. You have to do the City of the Dead tour. Uh, it, it's it's unbelievable. It really is. Oh. Wait a minute. Now, I thought originally they had stopped the tours because there were so many attacks and mm -hmm. and also because the tombs were broken in and so forth. That's, That's right, right and isn't it, Jamie? They, yeah, they, they did start. Um, this is before um, our owner, um, before State of the Dead was State of the Dead. Um, there was another tour company that, that used to sort of go in once or twice. It wasn't a kind of serious company, but yeah, they had to stop because of, um, you know, attacks and things like that. Um it was a bit hairy for some people, but of course, when uh, having a owner of the company who's also also an author, um, you know, they've got no fear <laughs> when it comes to things like that. That's all about. I think actually, I was talking to to Jan, who who owns the company, about two or three years ago, and um, I'm not sure that I've taught, said this before on air or not. But uh, one night, some two guys broke into the into the tomb and cut Mr. Mackenzie's head off. Is that right? That's right. Yes, it was. Um, it was. It was that they weren't actually men; they were boys. They were young oh. boys. Um, right. Yes, the, 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 the national news. Um, they, it was. It was during the afternoon as well. Um, mm -hmm. They broke into George Mackenzie's tomb and they removed the skull. And he, the young gentleman, was walking about the graveyard, you know, making it talk. And then they were playing football with the skull. Um, and again, that when things really took the sinister turn downwards, and that's when we started, you know, experiencing more and more activity. Because um, once again, um, the tomb was disturbed. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it's interesting, though. I mean, we have a, uh, a tomb here in... Uh, uh, Newburyport that has been broken into several times and, and very similar things. The skull has been, uh, you know, ripped off the body and, and the guys had pictures taken with it and uh, they propped the corpses up and poured liquor down their throats and a lot, a lot of different mm -hmm. things. So, so here you have two different uh, tombs and two different uh, parts of the world, yet each one of them seemed to be desecrated more than once. Uh, yeah. Is this go back to the maybe someone put a curse on them that they would never rest in peace? There is reports of a curse off off. Um, so as long as as George Mackenzie's body is in Greyfriars, it would never rest in peace, and um, because of the you know the Covenanters and what he did to the Covenanters. But again, that's just reports. That's not solid evidence. Um, but it is reported to have that there was a curse placed on his body. Yes. That's so okay. interesting. Now, and what about yours, Ron? What about the the one that you you just took talking about? Um, do do things happen in that graveyard? Lots paranormal of things stuff? happen. I mean, I, I know Brian Amuck is the Franciscan monk who does great uh, infrared photography of uh, spirits. Uh, he's got mm -hmm. a picture of a head coming out of the ground there. It's a it's a good cemetery. I mean, I was on the uh, six o'clock news when I uh, actually rubbed one of the skulls that was because the tombs are open and stuff. 
stuff in. I actually put my fingers to the nose, so that didn't go over too good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Is there any talk of a curse in that graveyard or anything? I I haven't found it, uh, but it doesn't mean it isn't there. I mean, because... No, no, no. Yeah, you know, things get lost, or or we don't know all the circumstances. But I kind of think only because it's happened so many times that perhaps that's the reason why. I mean, just why that tomb, why that graveyard, why so many times? I mean, yeah, it makes you wonder. Why yeah. can someone pinpoint it? And of course, remember, as I've said before on the show, you know, there's this phrase that everyone needs to remember when ghost hunting. It's called laid to rest. Right. People expected to stay there not to be disturbed, not to have their heads removed even after their body. Because I, I presume, I mean, I don't know how true this is, I would imagine that the, 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 the spirit that was once part of, 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 of that vessel, that, that body, um, would be rather concerned to see it being desecrated, meddled with, um, or beheaded or anything else. So perhaps that's why they get angry. Perhaps that's why they come back into graveyards. Don't know. Possible, isn't that? I mean, it's certainly. I mean, because it's all you know. Basically, it's all conjecture. Uh, yeah. So we actually have a question for uh, Jamie from the the chat room, and uh, it's from Ghost Girl, and she says, "Has any group ever done a vigil there?" Yes, we have. Um, Richard has been on one himself um, in the Indeed. graveyard. Um, that's when we first met. I think it was uh, in two thousand seven. Right, I think it was. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was. Yeah, it was two thousand and seven. I think it was. Really? That's right. It was um, throwing it down with rain at the time. It was indeed. It was absolutely... Well, it's Scotland after all, isn't it? Yeah, it always rains in right. Scotland. Yeah. Even when it's sunny, it rains. Um, <laughs> but that's right, yes. No, um, unfortunately, the council, though, have stopped uh, overnight vigils. Um, they have said to us that we're not allowed to do any more overnight vigils in, in the kirkyard anymore. Oh, that's sad. Uh, For reasons... Yeah, it is, um, because, I mean, obviously, as a company, we we have, I mean, our office is in the graveyard itself as well, um, and we have full respect, our guides have full respect for the graveyard at all times. You know, we always stick to the past. We tell, our, obviously, our customers not to lean on the gravestones or, you know, at all, you know, because you, you have to have full respect, because they are people's final resting places, you know? Right. So if anybody has any any questions at all, they can call in at 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869, or join us live in either the Tojinet or the Pararex chat room. Um, the, the interesting thing now, in the United States, especially in Massachusetts, uh, you're not allowed, it's actually against the law to be in the graveyard after dusk. Uh, uh, is it similar in the U.K. or is it different? No, no, it's 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 a different. Um, it's a public. It's, you said most um, graveyards um, are treated as public places, so you can go in at any time. It's whether people want to go in at any time or not is is a bit of the question. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really dark, um, but no, no, they are public places. Um, so, but a lot of them do obviously if they've got a high vandalism uh, rate in the area, so then they will close the gates and you you won't be allowed in there after a certain time. It's, it won't be law, but because there is no trespassing law in Scotland, so um, you would just be told off and told not to do it again if you were found in after a certain time. Okay. I know we're coming up to the break. Um, according to somebody, uh, I can't even say the word, scouts, uh, the Ghost, <laughs> Ghost Adventurers did a check it out on YouTube, so evidently they were in there, uh, so I don't know when they did it. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm not too sure. I'll have to check. Yeah, I'll have to check that yeah, out. Go to someone uh, in the chat room. We'll have to check that out. But anyways, we are coming up to break, and it's time for a break on Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick. And we are talking to Jamie from the City of the Dead Tours, and we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Parrax family. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Duswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Tugginet.com. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Gillis and Ron Kolick. And our special guest is Jamie from the City of the Dead. Oh, I love that name. Ooh, he's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, just before we, we, we sort of go off the subject and talk about another of your amazing venues that you have in Edinburgh, just just tell everybody, I mean, if you know roughly, how many people are buried in Greyfriars Churchyard? Um, oh, nobody knows, um, to be honest with you. Um, my fiance at the moment, actually, um, she is wonderful. She is also the manager of City of the Dead Tours. She, at the moment, is going around and cataloguing every single gravestone that is in Greyfriars, and she's doing a book herself, and, you know, she's wow. getting all the inscriptions and things like that um, before they're all gone. Because a lot of them are sandstone, so a lot of them are, you know, a lot of the tombs are just fading away because of the rain. So, uh, yeah. you know, somebody needs to catalogue it all before it's, you know, forgotten about. But, but the amazing you know, thing is that, that those those gravestones only represent a very, very... In fact, those gravestones only represent the people that were last buried in the graveyard. Exactly. Is that right? Who, who were officially buried there, that's right. But because during the plague and things like that, um, and obviously with other cemeteries getting moved, um, since yeah. I was being one of them, you know, there's a lot of bodies just dumped in Greyfriars um, so, that are not accounted for. 
Um, yeah, I've I've been. T- I mean, I'd c- correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been told that there's there is something. Because remember, we're talking of the the, the capital of Scotland uh, and a mm-hmm. graveyard in the centre. Well, I, I was told that there was something like forty thousand grave uh, bodies uh, in, in the graveyard. Probably even more than that. I mean, I've 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 heard from uh, different sources that, that there could be up to three quarters of a million bodies in there. You know, it's, oh, I don't think we'll ever know. But put it this way, it was Greyfriars was flat at one time. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Ron, just think, just think of it. Three quarters of a million. I thought forty thousand was a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what's interesting though is, I mean, there is, isn't that uh, also where uh, those two uh, grave robbers, Burke and Hare. Yeah, I used to work out. Ah, but that's common perception. They weren't grave robbers. Burke and Hare. They didn't rob graves. This they killed true. them themselves. True. You're right. They just cut off they, the middle man, basically. <laughs> they, 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 just, they, they basically just don't, didn't want to do the hard work of digging digging the body up, you know? Yeah. It was a very dangerous uh, situation to be found in. But no, no, Greyfriars was hit by grave robbers, indeed. Um, you could still see the metal you know, cases over some of the graves that were put there by the families. Um, also, as well, you'd have what we originally thought was the boffy off this graveyard, which mm-hmm. is our office. Now it turns out that it was more likely to be a watch house um, since there's windows on every wall to see the surrounding graveyard and it's right at the front gate. Um, so no, I mean, Edinburgh obviously had its own problem body snatching, but Greyfriars was obviously hit quite a bit. Gosh. But Burke and Hare, I, I, I think I'm right, were, I believe, possibly connected with the other venue that you, you actually um, operate from at the moment. You're absolutely right, yes. Um, it would have been perfect for them, you know, in the dim, no light, you know, alley, dark corridors and rooms. Yeah. Oh, it would have been perfect for them. Paupers you know? living down there. And we're now talking about the Edinburgh vaults underneath the That's South indeed, Bridge. Yeah. The South Bridge vaults, indeed. Um, the underground city, it's also known as. Because um, obviously people can get confused between the underground city and Mary King's Close, which yes. are two different yeah. things altogether. You know, American's Close was in the open, you know, it was only because a building, uh, the, the plans for the Royal Exchange came along and they needed a place to build it, so um, they built it on top of American's yeah. Close. Yeah. And that's why that became underground. But certainly, I mean, the vaults of the South Bridge have always been underground, you know. And uh, people that lived there uh, had no choice but to live there. The extreme poverty. And, and these were, I mean... Basically, it was a it was a bridge. They built two bridges, didn't they? Obviously, in 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 Edinburgh, the North Bridge and the South Bridge. Well, that's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, overall, I mean, there was four bridges built um, um, in relatively short space of time. There was the Regent's Bridge, there was King George the Fourth Bridge, uh, North yeah. Bridge, and South Bridge. North yeah. and South Bridge were built to connect the university and on the south with the the sort of high street, if you wish, um, the Royal Mile. And Northbridge was from the Newtown to the Royal Mile instead of having to go down through the the valleys on either side of the Royal Mile. Because back then, Edinburgh was only a mile long and a quarter mile wide. You know, really? so it wasn't this huge, big space you see now. Um, yeah. You know, it was only that size. So, and one side, the south side of the valley, was the Cowgate, um, which back then, you know, it was just a dirt track. Um, yeah. You know, there was loads, full, big, huge tenements reaching up to 14 stories high in some places. Yeah. Skyscrapers, um, 
Yeah, well, that's right. But I mean, the first ever skyscrapers were in Edinburgh, you know, up to 14 stories high, made out of wood. So, of course, the tops would come in and they would touch each other. They would mm. pretty much, you know, lean on each other, which was, of course, cut the sunlight out. But the Cowgate back then was it was a huge slump. Um, and then on the other side, you had what well, which you have now is Princess Street Gardens, along with Waverley train station, and mm. that was a big, a big area called the North Loch, and um, which was pretty much the the city sewer. Oh, uh, really? All the human excrement and uh, all the waste basically ran down either to the Cowgate or down to the North Loch. Yeah. Now this bridge, um, I'm I'm right, Andy. It had obviously. Huge art. We were talking of a very long bridge, of course, uh, and it had ni- 19, ar- 19 archers. You're absolutely right. What well, the South Bridge was, the first commission came through roughly 1775. Uh, yeah. So the work well, didn't start until 1785. The bridge was finally completed in 1788, and it's over a thousand feet in length. Um, in that, it's almost like a viaduct bridge, um, but just yeah. not as tall. It's, its tallest point is 37 feet high. Um, but with the 19 arches, there's only one on show, and that's at the Cowgate. That arch is 34 feet wide. Now, the rest yeah. of the arches inside are only 18 feet wide. Um, but the foundations for the bridge alone go 22 feet into the ground. Holy moly. Uh, wow. It is, by all means, a massive structure. And people uh, lived in the arches, is that right? They did. Well, the, the story is, um, when the bridge was first designed and built, um, it was designed as Edinburgh's first ever, you know, built shopping street. There was premises. Right. You see, back then, street level was on the bridge. So underneath it, at the Cowgate, because it was a slum, you know, people, that wasn't street level for most people, you know, society people above. Street level mm-hmm. was the bridge. So yes. under... The shop fronts, which were actually, in theory, they're the fourth floor up, if you're on the Cowgate. Yeah. That was street level. So underneath this, the the the, um, the shop fronts, and also inside, because tenements were built right down the side of this bridge. Yeah. So it would look like, from the outside, there are houses, but they're actually part of the bridge. And underneath the, and also inside the arches that are covered, you would have storage vaults and workshops for the businesses above. And unfortunately, in the haste to build the bridge uh, under much cheapness, they forgot an important factor, which was waterproofing. The bridge leaked non-stop. (laughs) So, of course, legal trade then decided, well, we can't keep stock here. It's costing us a fortune. We we love the shop, but we're we're not keeping our stock here, so we're not paying for the vaults. Because, of course, mm-hmm. the, the people thought, well, you know, we'll rent the vaults out as extra, you know, and this can help yeah. pay the trustees so they can make huge profits. And so, But no, it didn't work mm-hmm. out. So with the legal trade moved out, of course, it, what else happened? Illegal trade can move in. Oh, yes. Now, the illegal trade consisted of anything that was illegal above ground now became perfectly legal in the vaults. Now, the vaults are more than just barrel chambers. There's corridors that re- that span the whole bridge, you know, up mm. and down, and they go off separate rooms. Every section of vaults are now are completely different to everybody else's. I mean, they're, they're all over the place, and it's a wonderful, wonderful place, but it's, there's a lot of sadness attached to it, too, because obviously with the potato famine and obviously highland clearances as well, um, there was lots of people embarked on Edinburgh that had nothing. They had no money. And, you know, they needed shelter, and they obviously heard that there was this uh, place 
the South Bridge that had all the illegal taverns and drinking dens and and uh, Hellfire Club meetings and you know um, that this they could get shelter there. So of course, when the people moved in, thousands of them, oh, that also brought disease. Um, with no sanitation, no running water. Um, you know, it was horrible. There was no light. There's no natural light gets into there whatsoever at any time of the day. The only light they would have would be candles if they could afford them, made out of animal fat or fish oil lamp, which, you know, basically it would be that, it was that bad that you wouldn't know if the person next to you was dead or not until they didn't move for three days. Oh, my God. That would be a hit. You know, it, it, it was a horrible, horrible place to be when people yeah. unfortunately had to live there. And of course, everything of course. from murder to suicide to to oh, yeah. uh, uh, prostitution to uh, everything, well, as you say, everything illegal, everything legal above illegal yeah. above ground became legal below ground. So, well, I that's mean, right. wait, wait, did, did the police actually turn uh, turn their uh, heads away for this? In other words, they didn't. The police didn't go in. They, they, they wouldn't go down. It's too dangerous. It was too dangerous for them to be down there. Plus, as well, out of sight, out of mind. You know, these people were entombed, really, in a huge bridge. You know, they, they didn't come out. All the trading in that was done below on the cowgate. Oh. The cowgate was one of the main ports, obviously, for cattle. Hence the name where it comes from. Yeah. So there was a lot of you know buyers around the area, and um, for the cattle. So you know, there was illegal whiskey getting made in the vaults themselves. Um, so, you know, they would trade this illegal whiskey for, you know, cows or food, because obviously money to them would be pointless. They couldn't buy anything with their money unless they wanted to save it and try and get out. But when you've got life expectancy of maybe three to 18 months, you know, it's, there's not many people made it out. Well, Hence the fact that Burke and Hare, of course, are alleged to have um, um, operated, murdered yeah. people, operated in, 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 those, um, in those vaults. Indeed they did, yes. I mean, it would be perfect. I think the, the whole reason they got caught was because they they picked a victim that people knew. You know, I, I don't understand why, you know, they had this place available to them. They didn't just stick to it because people down there, there was no records for them. You know, people down there, they kind of people that couldn't read or write, you know. Yeah. They were squatters. People were too interested in looking after themselves to worry about somebody else going missing, you know. Yes, so. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting because uh, it's very similar to what happened in uh, uh, Transylvania there with the Duchess. Uh, it wasn't until she started uh, killing young girls that uh, people would miss is that she got caught. They, yeah, yeah, well, that's right. So I think perhaps it, it they become uh, not lackadaisical, but they become overconfident, feeling you know they can't be caught. You know, a bit untouchable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I look kind of Teflon. Yeah, exactly. Do we know how many people they killed? Uh, well, I think the official right was it was it um, was it seventeen and nineteen months or was it nineteen and seventeen months? Really? Um, yeah. I don't think there's any official record, but certainly the ones no, that of uh, not. those that are just Hare the ones we knew about. about. Well, that's right. That's the only ones that Hare sort of confessed to. Yeah. Um, how on. many more? Right. Well, that's right. Wow. And, of course, it's, you know, this is a ghost show, isn't it? <laughs> it's haunted, is it not, Jamie? Well, you would think after all the sort of heartache that went on in there, you know, and the times also as well, one of our vaults we found out um, that has specifically to do with our vault is people were 
during one of the fires of Edinburgh in 1824, um, there was a there was a fire that started in Old Assembly Close, which is just at the top of the bridge, and it wiped out half of the Royal Mile, including the Tron Church. Um, the Tron Church steeple came down um, in that fire, but people um, they ran into the bridge vaults to try and seek, you know, um, some kind of refuge from it and safety, yeah. um, not thinking, of course, that the smoke. And of course, the bricks heat up yes. as in an yes. old oven. So, just think about when they were moving the bodies. It was kind of like chicken off the bone. Kind of like shake and bake, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just you, Ronald. Oh, geez. So, I guess a lot so, of people died then, obviously. Yes, they did. Um, exact figures are not known. Although the official records only show say that eleven people were killed during that fire. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Those again, the eleven that you about the people underground. Exactly, they were the only people My above God. ground that they found. Well, oh, let me ask I you see. this, Richard. Wouldn't this go along with your your theory about? I mean, if they're all the, all these vaults and everything, but it's stone and everything, wouldn't wouldn't all this? They're stone. Yep, all stone. Yep. So wouldn't exactly they be uh, trapped in there as far as the energy? I, I think so. I think there's there's every possibility that you know again that that some some of the some of the ghosts that are there are are possibly you know uh, residual energy recordings of the of the tragic traumatic death that those poor people must have must have suffered um and again i think that there's also others that are there that that are you know there for a reason because they 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 don't move on can't move on or i can't think there'd be many people stayed there because they liked it no, well, that's right. You know, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I don't think anybody died there of um, of happy. You know, no. died a happy life. You know, um, I would think no. You know, they were quite no. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would think certainly that's and it is a very eerie place. You know, um, I mean, I it think is. it's a fascinating place, but um, it is very easy. You have to think. I mean, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's just bridge arches, but. You know, you got to think nah. and have the respect of, you know, for a many, however short time pe- some people were there for, that was their house, you know, that was their home. That's what they knew as home. Um, yeah. Horrible, horrible place. Yeah. Who's the guy? Well, does, does, sorry, go right, carry on. When you, Richard, when you were with uh, Most Haunted, did you go there? As, as yes, I did. Indeed, I did. Yeah. And, and, and what what happened while you were there? Anything particular? Um, that I remember, funnily enough, not a lot. Um, the, I mean, I was I was over the moon because you remember when I go into these places, I get so excited because of the history. Right, it's, it's the history of the place that that that, that really gets me. And, and if there are ghosts in it as well, then that, for me that's a real bonus. Um, but I don't really remember anything. Uh, perhaps Jamie, Jamie, could you remember? I did 122 programs. You had this one. Um, you had whistling coming off. I think it was a vet that heard the whistling when you were standing at um, in the, the sort of level two before you went to the yeah. two top vaults there, the workshops. But um, I, it was just something I remembered there when when you were there was um, the lights. Do you remember the lights, Richard? Go on, remind me. The switch. <laughs> <laughs> Does that just come back to you now? <laughs> Do you know, it does, it's awful, but it doesn't. But as I say, I just... As I say, when you've done so many damn programs, you you get That's a little right. bit. That's right. So the light switches that um, the downstairs were thinking that they were having interactions with, um, they were asking questions, and the lights were flicking on and off. 
I remember that. I remember the lights coming on and off. Yes, I do. And it yes, was you that had found a light switch, and you were you were switching off to see what lights the affected, because you were trying to turn the lights off at some part. But That's right. I, in fact, that I was trying to prove what it was all about. That's right. Yes, now, the funny thing is, I also <laughs> did it... I also did it before Most Haunted, um, when I came many, 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 many years ago to do what I'm doing, the, the, the ghost tour of Great Britain, and I actually came there, and, and uh, it's actually on the DVD that I did, Ghosts of Edinburgh. Oh, uh, right. Which was quite interesting. Um... Because I remember we had serious problems with with the camera. Um, the batteries kept draining. Yeah, well, that's a surprise. <laughs> well, that's yeah, the main exactly. fact that, yeah. that a lot of people report in the last vault that you know whether it be mobile phones if somebody's using you know a light off their mobile phone or torches. We now and on the on the tour we use the wind up. You know, you you put friction in the torches yes, and it saves it yeah. in energy. We use them now because batteries we were just going through. We could walk into the vault new batteries and the torch would just die on us. And that's um, not good down there, is it? No, the uh, batteries, okay. in that one particular vault, it seems that it just sort of sucks energy. Mm, there you are. And who, tell me, who is, do you know, who is Mr. Boots? Uh, well, Mr. Mr. Boots is um, attached to, um, it's, it's up in um, the other section, which is Blair Street Vaults. Oh, right. Um, which is the other side of the bridge. We're in Nidgey Street South. Um, you? But you've got also Nidri Street, and then you've got yeah. Blair Street on the other side of the bridge, because it's the same wow. on the other side as it is um, on the other side. You know, the, obviously the vaults go straight through, and on yes, the back, um, which now a lot of them are flats. I mean, I, I really don't know if the people who buy the flats realise exactly what's behind <laughs> their mm. kitchen wall, <laughs> you know. Um, but they go straight through, so the whole area, and of course the other side of where we are in Nidri Street South, that was destroyed by fire in 2002. Oh, really? Uh, a massive fire swept through the Cowgate, yeah. Um, again, that's another spontaneous fire. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just breaking it around. But the bridge has got a curse on it. And oh, tell we us. that under superstitious times anyway. When the yeah. bridge was opened in um, 1788, the, the woman who was meant to be opening the bridge, um, she died two days before. <coughs> of a heart attack. She was a, the oldest resident of Edinburgh. Now, right. handshakes had been made. You know, paperwork had been signed. She had to open the bridge. Mm. So she did. But she was in her coffin when she opened it. You the first, The first vehicle of description across the, the South Bridge in Edinburgh was a horse-drawn hearse. <sighs> oh, wow. And that is in public records. That is officially what the first vehicle to cross. So although she was dead, she still opened the bridge? Yep. She just opened it while she was lying in a coffin. Oh, my goodness me. I mean, it's, it's all... It, I tell you, it's, it's um, second to none, this stuff. It's fantastic. It really is. Wow. It's a very, very interesting uh, bridge indeed. There's a lot of history to it. So, uh, now, you are... So many amazing I believe. stories attached Sorry. to it. So many Thank amazing you, stories attached to it. I mean, it's just... It's it's phenomenal. I mean, I, I can't not see that the flats and everything you know connected to this this area. They've got to be haunted as well. I would assume. Well, you would think, yeah. You you would think obviously because it's not just the one area obviously that's been affected. I mean, the whole bridge itself. I mean, but to be honest with you, there's still a lot of vaults that have not been uncovered yet because they were all sealed up um, between you know sort of mid 1800s to sort of slightly later 1800s when. They were, 
you know, the, the whole change in the cowgate was going on. They were clearing the, the cowgate. They were wanting to, you know, get rid of disease and clear everything up. So they were, you know, forcing people out of the slums. They were giving them sort of temporary accommodation until new places could be built. Um, so they went in the vaults and they were clearing them all out and then they filled them with, you know, hundreds of tons of rubble or they bricked up the entrances um, to stop more people going in. Um, and that's how they cleared them, pretty much. There was a few left, left open. Um, we know that there was a part, uh, Blair Street was used as an air raid shelter, um, as a public air raid shelter during the Second World War. Um, so there was sections remained open throughout time, but a lot of it was sealed up. Our section was only uncovered three and a half years ago. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah, and there's more to come, more to come. Well, well, there is. I mean, the one man responsible for bringing them all to the public attention again is um, Norrie Rowan, um, yeah. who's been excavating them since 1985, um, when he owned the Tron um, pub. Uh, he oh, yeah. had a wall knocked down in his cellar off the pub, and that led to what was left of Marlin's Wind, which the top end is buried under the Tron Church. Wow. Um, and then from there, you know, it was all linked up, and that's. And since then, he's been tunneling and he's been, you know, making, bringing the vaults back to the public again. You know, to oh, what it's um, yeah. There's still a lot more that, that that's not been discovered. You know. Mm. And of course, you're trying to discover it, are you not, Jamie? Because you're actually, I believe, uh, in the process of writing a book about about I am the bridge. Indeed, indeed um, I just think it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful structure, you know, and, and it's just the whole design um, on it. Um, yeah, I mean, and th there is no, you know, book on it itself. Finding information on it is very, very difficult. I mean, even the fact is, a lot of people don't even know who, you know, designed it and things. Um, really? There's no really any names. Yeah, a lot of the original. Um, fact, uh, a lot of the documents for the bridge, like the trustees and things, they were in an office that was, again, destroyed by fire. <laughs> so uh, a lot of the original stuff was lost. Um, there was no original plans left. I think there's p bits and pieces, but the vaults themselves have been changed throughout the years from different people and even the people that lived there. So there is no plans, really, original plans. That's left. terrible. So it's, it's a very hard task. So yeah, you're you're really struggling, struggling, I presume, to find to find information about it. I am indeed. I mean, obviously, the archives only hold so much. Um, the archives can't hold stuff that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's becoming hard. And I've seen them, there's a, a lot of books, but a lot of them tend to be in the states now for some reason. You know, they've, they've travelled over, or they've come with families over, or um, even as far as Canada and things like that. You know, so it's very, very difficult to try and find stuff in, yeah. in Edinburgh. So, so. so if anybody out there that's listening has got any information whatsoever, uh, documentary evidence or even just sort of you know stories that they've got um you need it don't you jamie yeah it'd be, it'd be great uh, fantastic or if there's any you know if there are family sort of history stories that have been passed down from generations or anything like that you know concerning the the south bridge or any family members whose great-grandfathers or great-great-great-grandfathers you know helped build it or something like that mm -hmm. you know I would, I would, i'd love to hear from people like that and how would they get in touch with you um, well, I can either leave my email before I go with um, with uh, with Ronnie yourself, or um, I'm on the chat room just now. Um, well, I am literally in it just now, so um, yeah, um, we'll we'll figure it out a way if they pass it on to me. Yeah, certainly. 
That would be fantastic. Because I say, you know, you you obviously. But tell me, tell me quickly before you go. Um, there's this amazing thing about this this um, large piece of stone. Yes, there is. Um, that's right. And one of our chambers of of, of the vaults, we uh, there was there, there's a there's a stone in the wall that's obviously been built as part of the bridge. It's built yep. into the wall of the, the one of the chambers next to the Cowgate Arch. And we always wondered what it was, so we've done research on it. We traced the stonemason markings, and we find out it was from a house um, that used to stand maybe three, four hundred yards away from the bridge. Um, now, it's not just a normal house. Um, no. That house was in an area called Kirkafield in Edinburgh, and that house was also blown up in an assassination attempt. Uh, really? And that by Mary, Queen of Scots? Ah. Yes. Uh, by the person who they were trying to assassinate was uh, Lord Henry Darnley, who was married to Mary, Queen of Scots. But that is the door, um, plinth, uh, not the plinth, the lintel above the door. Uh, it says, the Lord is my refuge and helper. And that is the very stone from the door of the house that was blown up in the assassination. What a story. Attempt. There, there are so many more to this than we realise. Yeah, there is. I was just going to say that, Richard. There's so much attached to this area. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, if I make my way now, Scotland. I mean, I, I. You know, to us, you know, it's a big country, and I know we're running out of time. But I mean, is is Scotland far from, for instance, London? Is it, what's the distance? Um, yeah, I mean, we're quite a distance. I mean, you could, it would take you maybe 45 minutes to, or to an hour to fly from, I mean, compared to you guys in the in the States, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I mean, it takes you like four days to fly from one side to the other, you know, um, whereas we're only, you know, an hour plane journey from London to Edinburgh to drive about it. About 400 miles, isn't it? 450 yeah, miles? Yeah, you're about 400 miles from London to Edinburgh. Oh, well. Hey, let me ask well you this. Well worth a trip. Uh, is, is, let me ask you this as well. I mean... If you if you have a, a motor vehicle, I mean, can you drive to Scotland? Is that possible? Or, or I, I'm not sure of the setup there as far as your infrastructure. Yeah, yeah I mean, basically, I mean, Scotland, uh, well, Britain itself is about the size of Central Park in um, in New York. You know, <laughs> we're, um, we're not that big. You know, we can drive from here. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, because we've got stuff like channel tunnels and things like that. Now you can drive from you know mainland UK to to Europe. You know. Um, it could all be done. Yeah, of course, anything could be done now in, in, in today's world. Much quicker flying, but uh, yeah, certainly, it could be done. I should be driving up to Edinburgh in a few weeks. So, yeah, it's, it's quite possible, Ron, quite possible. I'll yeah, come, I hope you're going to come and see the... Yeah, definitely, give, give me a call, Richard, we'll get you into the, into the vaults. We'll go for a, a I'd walk. Love to. I'd love to do that. Should, no problem I, at all. Should I bring my kilt? That's, I want to know. You need yeah, Ron, you can bring your kilt, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> this Would is the Polish tartan, is it? <laughs> what was that, Richard? Polish tartan. Ah, uh, it's pink. <laughs> <laughs> there you are, you see. I'll tell you quickly, if we've got time before before Jamie goes, uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie, who of course was um, uh, the grandson of King James II, he was, he was um, half, half British, uh, obviously that meant Scottish as well, and half Polish. Really? Yeah. Really? How's yeah. about that? So you could have a tartan, you see. Well, you know what's really interesting is, is that back in the day, uh, where all the monarchs were there, for instance, Catherine the, the Great was was related to the, the throne. In fact, you know what's really interesting is that uh, when the last Tsars were killed, uh, Nicholas and them, 
they actually took the DNA from uh, one of the, the British royalty to, to prove or disprove. And we've got to run out of time. Ah, oh, Dodge. I uh, know we have. Listen, yeah. we're going to have to have a longer show, I've told you. Yeah, well, thank you, Jamie. <laughs> that was all really interesting. And, uh, My pleasure. Tune in next week when we go into the uh, secrets of the Masons. So that's Cheers, Jamie. Thanks for that, matey. Thanks, well, Richard. Good night. Talk Talk about about and bye-bye. Thanks, Ron. Cheers, Ron. Bye-bye. From goalies to ghosties, long as